Hi, everyone. Welcome to Basic Binges here on Nom Talk Live. We are going to be talking about Moon Knight, which just premiered on Disney+. Plus. I'm Sabina Graves. I'm your weekly host for these reaction shows. I'm excited to bring along my friends um, who are joining me today. And we'll like, uh, we still haven't like figured out how to like toss the, the, the crescent at this point. Or actually, Moon Knight, who is here, uh, introduce yourself, your identity, if you, if you can. I am the Fist of Khonshu. This is justice right here. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, I'm actually British. Um, my name is Mike Manala. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't do a bad British accent nearly as bad as, uh, as or as awesome, I should say, as Stephen Grant. Um, but um, yeah, Mike Manalo here from the Nerds of Color, What to Watch, and That's at LA. How are you guys? Uh, glad to thank you guys for having me again. Um, you know, after our controversial last episode of Boba Fett, I'm excited to talk about <laughs> Um, some Marvel action with Moon Knight and uh, looking forward to to just enjoying the conversation with all of you guys again, as always. I'm, I'm going to take that off because that looks really bad on camera. <laughs> oh, no. Cone and everything like that. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry for everyone who saw that. That was not intentional. <laughs> Unintentional. Yes. <laughs> you should tr uh, toss the crescent over to the next person. All right. Mike, catch. Okay, well, that was, that was really that bad. Out. No, yeah. that was a really bad throw on my part. Let me this get, is let rehearsed. Me... Yeah. <laughs> we clearly practice this, guys. Yes. So, yes. yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm Michael Lee, uh, and you can find me at That's LLA, uh, Nerds of Color, Geeks of Doom, and We Live Entertainment. Amazing. Um, it actually reminds me that I did not say anywhere you can find me. I'm, I'm, I'm the greatest at this, you guys. This is. <laughs> You are the greatest. <laughs> Not my greatest. Yeah. Well, although actually, always the greatest. Our, during our last show, I was like embargoed on where I was going to be and stuff because things yeah. were happening. So I guess I could announce uh, here that um, in case you haven't seen my socials, I am a writer at io9, which is a really awesome place for nerdery and for just sassy commentary about. Uh, pop culture and theme parks uh, from yours truly and I actually have the honor to be covering Moon Knight for them as well so my interviews have gone up there and my reviews so I'm actually very like well informed <laughs> professionally I'm a professional <laughs> um, but this is my favorite part of the week to just hang out with you guys and like really just geek out about what we have seen uh let's start with moon knight mike okay sure uh give us your <laughs> moon knight reactions mike, yes. <laughs> uh moon knight mike all right that's that's my third personality right um no uh i i love this show um i i love how wonderfully weird it is i love how you know here's the funny thing um for me uh growing up especially and and even today my favorite part of any superhero movie, and I think my, the favorite part of most kids, you know, growing up is the chance to get to see those superhero costumes just kind of come out, you know, and, and you actually see that on screen. This is one of the few instances where we didn't need the superhero costume in that first episode to be as fascinated and compelled by what was happening on screen. Um, the, the, the strength of this show lies in that relationship between Steven and Mark. 
And the sheer fact that I'm compelled without any sort of powers, without any sort of costume or anything like that um, for, for this entire episode until that very cool sliver money shot at the end. Um, it's a testament to how good the showrunners, uh, Jeremy Slater, the guy behind the Umbrella Academy, and Mohamed Diab um, just had the amazing job that they did putting this together. And especially... Oscar Isaac, who just understood that vision and stands out in one of the best performances, I think, in the MCU to date. But yeah. Hmm. What about you guys? What'd you guys think? Oh, well, I thought it was one of the, you know, one of my favorites. It's going to be my, one of my favorite shows now because it goes in, it leads Bruno into this whole. Bruno has, has something to say on this show. <laughs> He's like, I love Bruno. <laughs> I love Bruno. <laughs> we talk about Bruno here in this house. In this house, we talk about Bruno. <laughs> but um, it goes into this whole idea of Marvel playing into the whole um, genre genre bending thing. It's not just a superhero film or a superhero show with like one straightforward uh, plot line. This kind of bends all kinds of genres um, and multiple ones at that because... We, um, as we were seeing before, we got to see the first four episodes and it's just not one thing. There's a whole lot of layers to this. And as Mike was talking about um, Oscar Isaac, I was comparing it to uh, his performances to um, anything in us because there's that duality, but rather than have two people oh, in, yeah. like um, in one room, he's playing against himself. Literally, he's just either looking at a reflection or there's that internal conflict that he has within himself. So that's, there's another aspect of, you know, kind of seeing two different performances from one actor. And yeah, I can't wait to see how this develops later on. Definitely. I, I agree with y'all on everything, all of the above. And I, I thought it was really great how, you know, this definitely feels a bit removed from the grand scheme of things with the MCU mm. the intro was definitely like very memento like meets like creepy pasta like two very like opposite sounding things um in in how we are following Steven who is like very confused for most of the episode as to what's going on and trying to like retrace all his steps that happened during when he blacks out um R.I.P. Nemo the little goldfish who we get introduced <laughs> to in the beginning because he's a little smaller friend because um, he wakes up and he's feeding his goldfish and then wakes up another day and his goldfish has two fins and he's like that that's not right um, and then you also have him being stalked by Khonshu in, in, in the in the ways that I guess Khonshu really wants to just scare him off so he won't interfere with Mark and his business you know yeah. um, and, and I thought that moment in particular in the elevators really did remind me of like very indie grounded horror, but like, you know, played so straight because you have obviously the immense talent of Oscar Isaac and, and the people around him who, you know, make the most um, sort of abstract and kind of like really big, unbelievable stuff, very believable. Um, I loved that sort of like lights out nod at like Honshu appearing and moving with the lights and stuff. I was, I was geeking. I, I just, I loved those aspects of those moments. 
Yeah, the horror aspect is played up so beautifully in this. Um, I, I, you know, in in one of the reviews I wrote recently, I kind of compared it to Muschietti's work on It um, recently, you know, just like this, this very, you know, um, it's your cards are on the table and the horrific element is there, but the horror doesn't come from the fact that it's, it's there and it's out in the open. It comes from the imagery of it all and the tension that that's happening when Khonshu is approaching uh, Steven in the elevator. Um, it's, it's very eerie. It's very creepy. And we've never seen that side of the Marvel cinematic universe before, which I, I really love um, them getting to play with that. I can't add any more. That 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 was beautifully said, honestly. Yeah, no, I yeah, talking about like the machetes it and like sort of like the Blumhouse vibe of things. You have Ethan Hawke as well, who comes into this. And it's this is gonna be technically the first time we see him be a villain, even though that's just by fate, because originally we were supposed to see him in the black phone play a villain and then you know, when that was supposed to release right afterwards. So um, as someone who's seen both uh, the Black Phone and four episodes of Moon Knight as well, um, you kind of get a cool sense of like, Ethan Hawke is having a villain era and I'm very much just ready for it and here for it and excited for people to see him uh, kind of flex those sort of muscles that we haven't quite seen him do in other things, you know, cause he was, Although we have seen him in horror, obviously, like in Sinister, um, as the person trying to figure out what's going on in this, he is kind of very cool, calm, collected. And just to kind of bring it into the opening of the episode, very creepy, yeah. even though he's very yes. cool, calm, collected and confident, like it opens on him having like a moment of cleansing of some sort where he breaks some glass to put into his shoes and then just walks on it. Um, that was, I think, a very uh, quite a choice to open up the episode. I think it's kind of ironic too, um, you know, because if you think about the origins of Moon Knight as a character, he's a Jewish character, one of the one of the rare Jewish characters that are really in comics. And there's always that custom where you break the glass, you know, at a wedding or at an event or something like that. Um, and instead, we're kind of inverting that here. Uh, because you're breaking the glass, but then you're you're stepping on it with your actual feet and everything. So I got to wonder if there was something intentional there, you know, just, um, you know, from a symbolic standpoint um, from from Muhammad or, um, you know, Jeremy's point of view when they, they did that really creepy, eerie scene. He's just like walking. He's not even limping or, or flinching or anything like that. And there's just something really off about that. But yeah, I don't know. But no, I was completely scared too. Is uh, I was just like the way we're introduced to villains. There's that whole, you know, they made, they have their monologues, you or they have you know their their connections to other characters. Here, as you were saying, this is completely um, feels disconnected so far, and we don't know anything about these characters. And the way we are introduced to him is like. Why is he stepping on glass? This is this seems like sort of the craziest, most bizarre thing we've ever seen, uh, and and it seems more, almost like ritualistic or like you were saying a cleansing thing, um, or maybe he just wants to practice um, his pain threshold. So I, that's what I was thinking along the lines of. Or he loves Die Hard a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah, he loves Die Hard. Yeah, he loves Die Hard. Who doesn't love you Die can, Hard? Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, one of the things I kind of wanted to point out and, and get your thoughts on as we are all like 
you know, always hanging out at, at the end of Marvel screenings and like chatting about all the little different things. This show also opens up on the Marvel Studios logo, not with the Marvel fanfare, but with the, a song, you know, and I think this is I think yes. the third one in the recent phase we're in where it started that way. Do y'all have any theories yet as to why that's a thing? Do you think it's signifying that we're in a different universe or um, or is it, do you think just a, it's just a stylistic choice to kind of like introduce the signature of the um, creatives behind each one? So I, I, I have to think it's a bit of both, honestly. And it, it was a uh, Bob Dylan's song, right? Grains of Sand, as I believe, or was it the other, the it Man was, Without Love? It was the Man Without Love. Man That's, Without Love. Yeah. So then then we know it, it, it has to be a little bit of both, honestly, because Stephen's character, as we see later on in this episode, he's pretty much a lonely, socially awkward guy. Um, he has a hard time making any connection, social connection with anybody. His boss gives him a hard time. Uh, he doesn't have a clue that he's going on a date sort of thing. I know, so, he's so cute and charming about it. I compared I compared him to George McFly from Back to the Future. Oh, oh my like, gosh. That's, that vibe. that's really, yes. really. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really great comparison. But great um, yeah, so, and then later on we, we hear or we see uh, other character, he has other connections that he does not know about. So it's clearly, for me at least, um, a creative choice, but it also foreshadows his other um, relationships. Yeah, uh, that's a really good take on it, Mike. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if, if we think about some of the the openings um, for Marvel Studios properties um, where they don't use the fanfare, like Endgame's one, right? Um, yeah. I think I think definitely Infinity War is another one. It's really these like huge special events ones. I think Moon Knight's there. I'm trying to figure out which ones they are, they are and see if there's like a connection, like if there's some sort of foreshadowing between all of the ones where they've intentionally decided not to use the fanfare. Um, but other than Endgame and, and Infinity War, I'm coming up short on figuring out which other ones. Um, of course, Moon Knight, of course, you know. Um, you know, uh, uh, have have it, and if there's any sort of connection, or maybe I'm just reading too into it, you know, uh, <laughs> or a connection uh, myself. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I love the way that it opens, and I do think, to your point, um, Spina, you know, it does give it, it further gives this show and this particular hero and this story uh, a very different feel from the rest of the MCU. Now, I know it's not. I know it's all connected, of course. It's part of the main story, but. Um, they definitely want us to kind of concentrate on this character. Um, and I think isolating it, um, you know, and not having that fanfare uh, kind of allows us to do that because to, to Mike's point, we, we're already starting to getting, we're already starting to get to know Stephen Grant just from what the song kind of signifies and how lonely he is and everything. Um, so, so yeah, although ironically enough, he's not lonely because there's like three, four people rattling. There's four, four people yeah. probably, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, taking it back to him being lonely and having this date, I do want to talk about um, the date <laughs> he goes on. So an interesting thing about Stephen is that he is a vegan who apparently agreed to a date with, uh, with uh, I think, one of the museum uh, people. Um, 
to a steakhouse <laughs> and uh you know you're kind of left wondering what he's gonna eat at a steakhouse you know and obviously by the time he actually gets there it's after his first interactions with Arthur Ethan Hawke's character mm. and um it's kind of you know it's funny to kind of think of like he kind of like goes just goes for this steak and it wants like the center cut well done <laughs> um I love the exploration of food in Marvel movies. I'm like, what are we trying to say here about these characters? (laughs) So if we're going to talk about food in Marvel, um, in this particular episode, um, we see Steven go at it against one of Harold's followers as he's trying to escape, I guess, the villa or some sort of like, you know, very Swedish kind of like city or town. Is it a very into... AQ4 cult sort of vibe? Like, yeah, that was like very, very this, like this whole toxic positivity, sort of like new age energy work sort of guru who works for Ahmet and is kind of <laughs> draining bad energy literally from people and killing them. Yeah. And like, what do souls taste like? <laughs> <laughs> The, the interesting thing is, isn't Ahmet, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, hopefully anyone on the chat would, would be able to correct this, but I believe Ahmet is the eater of hearts, right? Um, Which in, goes back to... The center okay. cut, the well-done center well, cut, right? There was also this, I was going to talk to you about... The moment with, with the, the little girl. With the little girl, yes. Oh, that, that too, yeah. Yes. That's right. So yeah. It takes out all the organs except the heart. It's like, oh my gosh, that that, that has to play a, a significant role. And then, yeah. like you were, I didn't even think about what you were saying now. Uh, yeah, Mike. So that, yeah. I, I, I was just thinking about steak. Think that's all. That's that's everything. <laughs> you know? um, and but, also, I, I'm beginning to wonder. You know, that there's a whole sequence. I think you're leading up to Mike, where uh, there's a specific kind of food. I wonder if that's where the souls go. <laughs> Wait, which one? I, I think she was the souls go into a cupcake, maybe. Oh. <laughs> that is my theory. That's okay. So souls would taste sweet then. Okay. I, I, I like that, you know. You know, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna bite into this by the way. <laughs> because this is a nom nom talk show. So I feel I, like I have to nom nom. Hell yeah, we gotta we gotta nom it up. Um, and if souls do taste like cupcakes, then I get it. I get it, Ahmet. You know, we should we should all be okay. Yeah, De- definitely. After biting into this, we should definitely turn more people yeah. or take their souls in. <laughs> Are we part of the cult now? <laughs> Let me get my glass. Okay, where are you, Arthur Harrow? I will join your cult. You know? <laughs> Oh my gosh. It, it's kind of fun because like we're kind of like cutting back and forth between different parts of this, but it's such a fragmented show, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, definitely. Flacking out and appearing in one place and then waking up and appearing in another place. And, you know, like it, there seems to be something going on. Like there's a couple things that stick out to me that I have like a lot of questions about. And obviously we're not gonna go into any of the future episodes uh, for this episode. Um, but I, I, I just want to know who, who is he talking to on the phone? That is his parent is like mm-hmm. is that a person or do we trust this? You know, like they seem to like be acting very casual about the situation. Definitely. Because there are these moments, um, as you were alluding to where he's 
you know, transitioning from Mar uh, from Stephen to Mark. And it feels like there's a large gap, even though it feels very short when we're watching it, but, you know, large in, in um, real time, I guess, so to speak. And I, I have questions about what's going on in between those moments. And then, as you were saying, um, is he talking to his actual mom now? Because who can we really trust as a storyteller? Because um, it mm -hmm. seems like both of them are not really uh, trustworthy or they're not forthright with each other, at least. So, yeah, because, yeah. That's one of the strongest things about the show is this idea of the unreliable narrator. We're following everything through these characters' eyes, but they don't even see the whole picture, which is really creepy, um, but also really fascinating. The other thing is going back to him talking on the phone with his mom, it's kind of interesting because I just started thinking about the horror elements of this show. And when you think about Psycho, you know, um, you know, and, and Norma Bates and how she's yes, dead. And he's I'm like, yes. not talking to anybody. Yeah. And it's, it's a dissociative identity disorder issue too. Right. Like um, I, I don't, I yes, have wonder if I there's like, like yeah, if there's some sort of like uh, Easter egg there, you know, where they're, you know, one day we're going to find out that, you know, if it's, if, whether it's Mark's body or, or Steven's body, although I'm, I have my suspicions, I think I know whose body it is, but maybe the mom's dead and he's been talking to, you know, nothing this entire time, you know, and it's just this Norman Bates kind of situation that, that he's kind of constructed in his head because he doesn't actually know the truth, you know, um, but yeah be a fun nod if that was the case <laughs> mm -hmm. oh my gosh you're like you just enjoying that cupcake i i mean jump really quickly to a, a question from one of our viewers q um he wanted to know uh let's see ethan hawk is one of the most underrated actors ever agree because like mm -hmm. it's so wild because like every time i write about him i'm like he's like this big powerhouse dra dramatic actor who just delivers on like the greatest like indie dramas there have been you know like he's definitely so many awesome leads throughout his entire career like in great just meaty stories you know that like have dipped into some sort of genre like the horror stuff that he's done um recently with like scott derrickson and cargill um but so the question here is uh even though this is a series now uh, what if if Moon Knight had its own movie? Who would you have want to pl play the title character? I wonder if this means in regards to like we know, like Moon Knight and and Khonshu is uh, a title that can be passed if you're familiar with like the, the comics and characters, or if this would have been in the past, like who could have played them? Well, I mean, you know, um, let's see some of the considerations cue throughout for fun. Uh, you know, where names like Daniel Radcliffe and like Adam Brody, I mean, I guess, kind of. I'm, I'm really happy with Oscar. I think, I honestly kind of think that this series, while it is encompassing um, a narrative that is something that, you know, will require um, six episodes, um, I think that Oscar Isaac is Moon Knight and whatever other characters involved with Conchu in this universe um, might fit into features someday in some capacity um, without giving too much away, of course. But like, yeah. you know, there's there's like I actually got a chance to talk to Grant Curtis, the producer, and he said like don't count him out on maybe popping up in other things. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that that was always the expectation was that um, even though this is a TV show, it is a Kevin Feige produced TV show. And much like WandaVision, Loki, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, it's going to feed into uh, the rest of the MCU. So even though we're not getting a solo Moon Knight story like film right now, um, there's it's very possible, A, that he's going to eventually get folded into this universe and be in a crossover movie um, and B, if the popularity of the character dictates it, if people love him so much, and quite frankly, I don't see, especially after this debut episode, um, I don't see that, you know, count, I don't see counting that out. You know, that's probably going to end up happening. I think he's going to skyrocket in popularity because he's just awesome. Um, I think it's very possible that we will just get to see feature films um, with Oscar Isaac. Um, but yeah, if you were thinking about fan casting, you know, I know that everybody kind of, Fans, fans did do artwork, uh, fan art with with Daniel Radcliffe and stuff in the past, but uh, you know he's already going to be Wolverine. So you know, uh, no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I don't want to start. We've all seen it. Yes, we've all seen it. But but yeah, Oscar I think is is my ideal Moon Knight. Um, you know, and he's one of the most versatile actors out there. Um, that's that's very unassuming. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him continue his legacy, the legacy that he's creating right now um, in future films and maybe his own future feature, you know, in the future. Yeah. Certainly I mean, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, it, it's hard for it because we, we've seen him and then again, we've seen him in four episodes, but we're just going to talk about this one. It's, it's hard to see anyone else right now um, as Moon Knight because he's just plays these two roles so brilliantly. And again, the, because we only got to see um, him as Mark for just those few seconds, but it's it's those few seconds that convinced me that, yeah, I, he was, you know, this is his role to see, yeah. take on, so yeah. And it kind of definitely feels like, at least for characters like Mark slash Steven uh, and even Wanda um, and even like Kate Bishop and Hawkeye, um, you know, these are the sort of characters that in, in past movies, we only got like snippets of them in the big team up sort of like films. Uh, I mean, more so the past characters that I mentioned than, than Moon Knight, because obviously we're getting a full just introduction to him in this. Uh, but I like that we have these new characters that, you know, were, were being given a lot of time to spend with them before they are propelled into like the big tentpole movies which I don't think is like accidental I think that's definitely on purpose because you know one of the biggest sort of criticisms of some of the big movies and the Avengers films is that like oh well we didn't we don't know this person well enough to understand why they're here um now we have a way in to getting to know them and really just fleshing out their backstories and what they're about and why it would be meaningful for them to show up in a perspective battle, you know, like who knows if they show up in Multiverse of Madness and kind of like understand their headspace, hopefully a little more uh, when we do see like whether or not they're enemies or, or if they'll team up and their agenda is sort of clashing, like we'll, we'll be in on it thanks to like a lot of these series for sure. This is, correct me if I'm wrong, this is literally the first time since the Disney Plus era of Marvel Studios that a title character is being introduced to us in a series, right? Because 
WandaVision, mm-hmm. we knew Wanda. Falcon Winter Soldier, we knew those guys. Loki, we knew that guy. And Hawkeye, of course, we already knew. I mean, we, we, the sub Even what if, yeah, yeah. yeah. So exactly. So this is really, this is kind of ambitious and it's kind of a, a toe dip for them because it's, it's a character that we don't know that we haven't been introduced to. And they're not giving it to us in their own in, in his own movie like like they've done in the past, like Shang Chi or or even like Ant Man, Doctor Strange. Uh, we're getting just a series. Um, and to me, if you're going to do it with any character, that's the right call. Moon Knight is the right call because you can't dive into the complexity of a character like this um, and how how crazy he he you know the the concept is um, in a two hour film. Um, you can't get that richness. You can't get that connection. I think you really hit the head on the head, uh, the, the nail on the head there, Sabina, when you said that you know we're spending time with this character and we need to get to know him um, in order for us to root for him in, in future projects. So this this is definitely the character to do this with. Um, but it's kind of it's it's really kind of the first time that Marvel Studios has actually ever done this with a with a solo character that we've never met before. So I found that I find that very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, so Mike. <laughs> Mike, don't food coma on us from that cupcake. No, no, Did no. All those taste really delicious. Did they all those taste, yeah. No, it's but just, um, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I would have to agree because there, there's because of his uh, mental mental health and everything. There's just so much that you need to explore um, within uh, fifty minute episodes at least, and. This is a great way to do it um, rather than having it condensed and kind of cheapen the story, I, I guess, so to speak, because we wouldn't have gotten so much um, out of, you know, the character development or any of the other characters as well. Um, had it been, you know, they've been given sort of vignettes and, and smaller scenes um, that doesn't pack as much of an impact as these do. So, yeah. Hi. Definitely agree. Sorry, there's an airplane passing. Permit, <laughs> permit to me to silence my. There it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. What does the airplane have to say? <laughs> oh my gosh, Moon Knight Airlines. <laughs> Moon Knight. <laughs> the crescent on the on the tail. You know, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No. I. I I'm just so excited. There are so many different things that we've been introduced to in this episode. And, you know, if you think of like different, cause we like, you know, like we talked about in the beginning, we don't really get a, a full glimpse or a full reveal of Moon Knight to like the end technically, but we do get a lot of action. Let's kind of like break down some of the action scenes that we do get to see. We have that, um, you know, the like the fight that that Stephen is kind of there for but not there for when he has to give back the little scarab like, I thought that was really like well well shot in like a very um I want to say uh John Wick sort of like just you know murking them vibe <laughs> and just like, him coming to and just being just bewildered by the situation is fantastic yes yeah, I thought it was I thought it was super brilliant. Um, it's smart. It's smart in a way because 
it subverts expectations where we see these grand action sequences in all of these um, MCU movies and TV shows. We're only seeing the end result. And you, it, it, it makes just as much of an impact if we were to see all of that play out. He's just covered in blood. He's got his hand in his fist like bloody. And he's like, what the hell just happened? Um, and it's, it's equally as rewarding as seeing a John Wick action scene without seeing the John Wick action scene. So I thought that totally. that was genius yeah, choice but definitely yeah. mm-hmm. I, I would have to it goes back to what i was saying like what happened in between these moments where he's you know how did he get his blood um, i actually want to see those that fisticuffs between him and you know the rest of harrow's group so yeah and the uh the car chase scene too um you know just the fragments of that where one second we're doing something and then the next second we're you know we we're driving backwards and it's like what the <laughs> hell just happened um all set to wake me up before you go go um which was nice. i loved it i was like that that is the perfect station to put on while you're driving a, a, a dangerous cupcake truck Full of souls, as we have now. Full of souls, cupcake. <laughs> full cupcake is Armafisto. I, we are going to track this now. Like anytime someone has a cupcake, it's it's a soul. It's mm-hmm. a soul, cupcake. Yeah. yeah. And I totally agree that that action sequence with the really tight turns. Oh my yeah. gosh, I was sweating. And you know, you kind of see all these characters come at Mark, and he's like, "What am I doing?" I love how. Uh, Conchie's voice ringing in his head. The backseat um, driver. <laughs> backseat driver, like, energy like, oh, the idiot is back. Was totally... look in front of you. It was like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> Just the little old lady that he passes by. <laughs> Just, like, Just gives him the finger. Oh my god! I have to believe she's one of Harold's followers who is like, you know what? Yeah, here, <laughs> this is my contribution to <laughs> trying to stop you. Poor, poor Steven, everyone's trying to stop him. He still doesn't know why. Um, yeah, such a good, such a good sequence. Um, yeah, and then the way, yeah, the way he comes back to London, it's like, it just confuses him too. It's like, wait, wasn't I somewhere else just a few minutes ago? <laughs> a few days ago, because well, it's few days Sunday. Ago, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but in his mind, it's like, then he wakes up to the fish. Oh. Poor Steven. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Nemo. Poor Nemo. <laughs> I bet. I bet he died because he fed him chocolate. That was. That was probably the, the reason. Pet Avengers, come on. <laughs> we, we can't. We can't kill Nemo before he joins up with you no know, pizza dog and and goose. And alligator Loki. And alligator Loki. <laughs> oh my gosh! We need the show. We, we need yes. Yeah. Everyone needs a pet Avengers show. Come on, Kevin Feige. I know you're watching this. <laughs> I know you are. He was the guy with the question. He right? Serious ways, honestly, I would I would not put it past him. I'm just like <laughs> he's always watching, making sure we don't catch on to his Mephistoing that is totally not there, but is there, but is it there? <laughs> Manifest and, this. Come on, guys. Let's go. <laughs> it's the it's the goldfish. That's Mephisto. Be like, they caught on to the soul cupcakes. Dang it. <laughs> Oh man. Um, there, speaking of those old cupcakes, actually was weeding some of the comics. I think that was like a, one of the trucks in the background had like a cupcake shape. While we don't really have too many Easter eggs in here, was there anything that y'all picked up that you were kind of like, oh, that's, you know, 
from maybe a panel or two. So I haven't read the comics. Um, I, I, I don't know where I would pick it up, but I, I know you two have, so I'll just defer to you guys. <laughs> Can't talk about the ones that I picked up because they're not in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and it's torturous to me, but I, I, I won't say very challenging, but also, oh my gosh, the first world problem. We've seen four episodes. Woe is us. Although actually people should be happy because look at us and yes. we've seen four episodes. Things are changing for the better because yeah, we got access. <laughs> I'm trying to think of specific ones from this episode. Um, I mean, it was, I think it was just the cupcake truck, honestly. If it was just a throwaway, like, you know, that was no, enough. That's a really good catch because I didn't even I didn't even catch that one. Um, it didn't I didn't put two and two together, you know, with the uh, the cupcake truck and this. And I, I can't believe they actually did that. Oh, wait, there is a big, big Easter egg. Um, you know, uh, you guys remember him scrolling through the phone, right? And seeing who called him. Um other than Layla, right? Oh, there's Marvel? one person. There's yeah, one, one person yeah. uh, named Duchamp, and if you're a fan of the Moon Knight comics, um, Duchamp is is uh, a very big character. He's he's Moon Knight's best friend, Frenchie, um, and and that's that's him. Um, so that's that's a that's a big Easter egg um, for those of you out there who aren't familiar with the Moon Knight comics. Um, Frenchie is kind of his his uh you know his alfred or his you know maybe nightwing i guess if you want to compare it to batman since everyone compares moon knight to batman um but frenchie's frenchie's his pilot and his best friend and everything like that so duchamp is is uh definitely a big easter egg um and then the other thing that i'm wondering about is uh the the statue um the human statue right uh that he keeps talking to Ooh. Yeah, there's a character. I, I'm wondering if he is who I think he is, but there's a character in the Moon Knight comics called Crowley, and he's kind of like an older gentleman with like longer hair. Um, who's I guess a lot of people kind of look at him like a homeless person or something like that. Um, and I wonder if he's actually uh, the statue, um, you know, that that Stephen's talking to and and giving prolanes to and tips and everything like that. So. Um, those were the two big ones that I kind of, I, I sort of picked up on here. I am right. a Disney nerd and picked up on the Disney things like Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta throw in that Nemo, yes. Yep. And the horror ones, like the horror yeah, Easter eggs and stuff too, yeah. But yeah, oh my gosh, um, what haven't we touched on? So let's talk a bit about the the museum showdown that yes. uh, Arthur Harrow shows up and is like, give me the thing that belongs to me, even though it does not, it belongs to whoever they took it from, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like, so we have like that, that whole scene play out with like the two like jackal-like dogs, honestly, mm -hmm. you know, chasing Stephen throughout. And I just, I love like the care that Steven has in like not dropping anything like the base and like, <laughs> you know. Yes. He clearly cares. He, he knows his stuff. Like he was talking about how there are seven gods on, on the poster. He's like, no, there, there should be nine, not seven. It's like, and then his boss is like, I don't give a, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just take care of the stuff, put it all away sort of thing. So yeah, he, know, he, he knows how to care for Egyptology stuff. Such a good sequence too. Um, you know, it's it's 
there there's a lot of you know comparisons um for example um may kalamawi who who's going to be introduced later in this series um you know she compared the show um you know she called it fight club meets indiana jones which of course i think it, it very much is um oh, but for sure. more more mm-hmm. accurately especially in that jackal sequence I'd more accurately compare it to um, as Fight Club meets the Mummy. You know, uh, there's there's a lot yes. of mummy, there's a lot of mumminess. There's so much that was in my real like the Mummy, you know, <laughs> which I love because uh, and, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and the jackal scene really reminded me of of you know um, in the second movie when they're in the Natural History Museum. It reminded me a lot of that sequence, um, those, those sequences, and. Um, I, I love that. I think that that was such a good way to end the episode on that jackal action scene. Um, you know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, and everything kind of like uh, comes to a head with, you know, obviously most of the episode. Konshu is like, leave that idiot out of this, <laughs> and like that idiot ends up, you know, bringing the enemy to whatever sort of plots that Mark and Konshu have, obviously. So they have to like let him in on it you know and um kind of we have that moment uh where they're in the bathroom and he's like you know like mark is in the mirror talking to him which sidebar um during the press conference we found out that oscar isaac's brother actually played um opposite his brother for a lot of the scenes where he is talking to himself it's actually Oscar Isaac's brother and like Oscar Isaac said that his brother did an accent and everything. He did the costumes and like, so Drake actually had something to play off of for those scenes, but also like such a big brother move to like get your little <laughs> brother to like do this show for you, which is hilarious because um, for, I think the force awakens uh, Oscar's brother, who is a journalist, he is one of us, one of us. Um, he interviewed him uh, for uh, the first awakens and it was a really like hilariously adorable interview where you know he got to ask questions only a brother could ask <laughs> um if, if anyone needs to look, look at this one go hunt that interview down because it, it is full of so many gems for sure um but yeah it's really cool that he you know was brought in to you know play against him himself i've never seen what his brother looks like does he look a lot like oscar like pretty close or not like in a twins way but um just in a way where like he's probably someone especially like during the times that this was shot in especially like pandemic and stuff you gotta you brought you bring in somebody to like fill in and step in that you trust and and stuff and obviously if you saw any of the snl uh, monologue bits where oscar is like uh showed the world all his home videos you know like it's not the first time that his brother's probably been a part of being roped into uh his brother's like putting on, Movies. Brother putting yeah. on a show so now it's more just like putting on a show on disney's dime it's a big upgrade from that ninja movie that they did to the avenger <laughs> i think it was what it was called yeah the, the avenger plastic swords and everything yeah. the yeah. avengers oh man that was great i'm glad he showed that <laughs> but that's cool i didn't know that was his brother yeah that i thought that was awesome and you know like i think it's effective because you know you have these exchanges like in the mirror and stuff um 
that were maybe shot like practically and then like, you know, composed, composited together. Um, but yeah, like that, that whole sequence, I was just like, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen? What are we going to see? Like, are we going to see Mark's perspective or not? Yeah. Um, and it just ends there. It's like, wait till next week. <laughs> <laughs> right Give up the body, let me transform, let me do my stuff. And then, yep, <laughs> does the job and beats down the jackal and says, here I am. And then cuts fades to black. That's it. Just such an awesome sequence where it's just pounding the stuffing out of that thing. And it's just... Oh, yeah. oh. So good. It lightly reminded me of the Daredevil stuff. You're like, okay, yeah. it's it's going to go, and yeah, the camera turns and pans, and we see this guy like, how did that happen? So, yeah. <laughs> oh man, where again, once again, they subvert expectations because you you think that he's going to be the one that's tossed out of the the room, but it's the jackal, and they pulls him back yeah. in. And you're <laughs> like, oh, and see the jackal desperately like, no, I don't <laughs> want to be here. <laughs> Oh man, such a well done sequence. And and they know how to keep you for the next episode. You know, they they know how how to end an episode so that you'll be hooked for the rest of the series. Um, Jeremy Slater is really good at that because he he did that for Umbrella Academy too, um, which which I also very much love. Love Umbrella Academy. Yes. Yeah. Cannot wait for that to come to come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I know. I think it's it's really cool that you know. I know there's like all the comparisons of like Moon Knight has like a similar vibe to the Batman. And I'm just like, I think it's a really cool thing to get like, you know, folks who grew up on these comics that are like, you know, from the late, like, well, I mean, Moon Knight goes back so long and stuff, but when he had his big predominant like comics, like uh, specifically the ones that are kind of the the basis of the show, like in the er- like early to late aughts and stuff like that. Um, or even just like the, the grittiness of a lot of the action aesthetic of movies from the 90s. I, I kind of like to liken them back to movies like The Crow, which to me is like the blueprint to a lot of these like gothic emo boy superheroes. Um, and seeing like these sort of like tight, like gritty city sort of tales that are like rooted in a lot of stuff that's going on that you know people could see the real world reflected in um you kind of get you know these glimpses of not everything is always like so super shiny and polished like Captain America Shield like things are you know gray and have like more nuance to them which is you know I'm so excited for this show to like be six episodes long you know like and obviously some of these stories like even going to like Batman this three hour long movie are more like an invitation to live in these worlds that we haven't seen before that's a great way to put it yeah because I I definitely wanted to see more of the layers in we're going a little bit in Batman, but there's so many layers to Batman. You see like, you know, all the top, you know, penthouse buildings and then you hear about what's going on in the underground. And yeah, so definitely a lot of layers to these kind of shows where they have a lot of world world building going on. Mm-hmm. And and doesn't that just make the MCU, just this universe in general, so much more interesting? Uh, because you could have the Wakandas 
and you can have the Asgards and then you can have like just regular places like um, San Francisco where Ant-Man is or, or just New York. Um, but then you can also have these dark and grimy sort of locations like London and you know, you buy it all. It doesn't feel totally different from everything. I mean, like it, it kind of does to a degree, but it's, it's still within the confines of what this universe is. Um, so that's, what is that if not legitimately the definition of a universe, you know, um, where all of these different areas exist and all of them can coexist together, but we just haven't explored this area, this area, or this area. So the world building on display and even just creating this show um, and introducing this character. Um, I love that. It's just giving us more layers to this universe that we already thought we've seen everything of, you know? Um, and, and they're really good at that. Like, even look as recently as, as Shang-Chi and Tao Lo, you know, the, the fantastical, like mythical elements of, of, of Tao Lo, also another area that we haven't seen in the MCU. So they're just really expanding everything now, which I'm, I'm loving, you know? So I have to wonder what is Marvel's like, not like an end game, but like, what, what is this, uh, their conclusion to this sort of chapter that they're building right now because it's so expansive more so than what we've gotten in um, any of the phase three because we knew what was going on and here we don't know what is the big connection so to speak mm-hmm. i guess we'll figure that out later on yeah because we've seen you know the the sort of like splintering off of different like factions and like different powers coming to be in on like a global scale. And, you know, it'll be interesting to sort of note, you know, um, that everything is a deliberate choice. Like, you know, I, I really like that, you know, yeah, this show takes place in London, but it's not erasing the fact that like, you know, the stuff that happened in, in like, daredevil and like jessica jones necessarily or i think i'm not saying that it's not erasing but like i feel like there might be like you know we've seen a lot of the new york stuff and i know this was moved to like london for the project and you're kind of like you know wondering you know we've seen some characters pop up in like hawkeye from those netflix shows like do we think we'll be seeing people from the netflix shows pop up in this possibly uh, and I we're like trying to like, you know, we're veering into that like nerdy, but who's going to show up sort of like element. Um, I guess to close it off, you know, like uh, we can like go around and talk about like who we kind of see maybe coming in later on. Um, for me in this episode specifically, I was surprised that we didn't see anyone from the Eternals uh, pop mm-hmm. up because of the proximity of some of those characters. Mm-hmm. Um Whoever's still around, of course, I think Dane is still around somewhere. <laughs> yeah, Dane's still around. Uh, Sprite, I don't know. I mean, she's been around telling stories. So, you know, who, who knows? And she's lived through all those eras. So who knows, like, if she could be a factor in this. And maybe Blade, I don't know. Because they said Blade was at the end of the end credits for Eternals, but... We'll see. That was my guess too, Mike. Um, it, I mean, if Dane Whitman is still in London, which we know he is, at least from the end of Eternals, uh, and Blade visits him, um, what 
a better what what better character do you have you know in the MCU to visit this grimy sort of darker area supernatural area too than Blade himself and if they're in London then it's a hop skip and a jump away or a double decker bus away from <laughs> from Moon Knight from Mark um, so I think uh, it it'd be very fascinating if that ends up becoming our first appearance like full appearance not just vocal appearance of Mahershala Ali in the in the end of this episode um I've I've heard rumors and speculation as well um obviously don't take this with a grain of salt there's no weight to it or anything like that um but I heard that this won't be our only appearance of Moon Knight this year um in the MCU um and there is a little special coming around in Halloween called Werewolf by Night, yeah. directed by Michael Giacchino. And anyone who's a huge Moon Knight fan knows that Moon Knight himself debuted in the pages of Werewolf by Night. Um, and if we're getting into these supernatural horror aspects, it would make sense if Blade comes in to the end of this series and goes, I got a job for you. Uh, there's a werewolf or something like that. And then boom, Werewolf by Night, you know? Um, so uh, who knows? It's it, it, that that was essentially that first appearance of Moon Knight was Moon Knight on a job by a shadowy, crazy organization to hunt down uh, the werewolf by night character. Um, I believe his name is Jack Russell. Like literally, I think his name is Jack Russell. <laughs> so on the nose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, right. <laughs> so so I think um, I, I do think Moon Knight's going to get hired by somebody to hunt down Jack Russell. So it could be Blade. Uh, other candidates could be Val, um, you know, a Valentina, um, the Contessa from, you know, uh, Widow and, and all of those movies, um, Falcon Winter Soldier and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's a good possible place where this could lead. But I would love to see Kit Harrington, Mahershala Ali, and Oscar Isaac join forces and do kind of a Midnight Sun sort of thing for the MCU. Um, that'd be awesome. That'd be really rewarding. Awesome. We'll, we'll be seeing what goes down in the next, you know, upcoming weeks. And uh, just to close out the show, let's uh, go around and tell the people where they could find you on the internet. We can start with Michael Lee. Uh, so it's not going to be that hard because my name's literally in you know all my social media handles it's uh i am michael j lee um so you can find that me on tiktok facebook uh instagram and twitter what also what's your favorite cupcake soul flavor my favorite well the one i just had which was um a kalua mocha soul. so yeah kalua mocha soul, yeah, kalua mocha right. soul. moon night mike <laughs> uh i kind of like that moniker i hope that that sticks maybe that's what i'll change my handles to um, yeah, really, really <laughs> currently um I, I can be found on twitter facebook instagram um at uh at tidyboboy182 um if you if that's if that's a little bit difficult to find um then definitely you guys can find me on the nerds of color uh you can also find me on what to watch uh and that's at la um all of which are on Twitter, uh, Instagram, all that as well. So uh, come stop me. What's your favorite soul cupcake flavor? Mm, um, rainbow sprinkle, you know, because you just, you get a little bit of soul in every bite um, and it's, mm. it's so much more tasty that way. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Miss um, Graves? <laughs> me? Okay, so you can find me 
on Twitter at Sabina has no R on Instagram at cool places with us. And um, I am also in the Nerds of Color. I'm also randomly at That's It LA. I'm here on Nam Talk. And I'm at my new home at io9, uh, breaking news during the week and talking about really nerdy things that I am way too knowledgeable about, which is great because I am a professional now. I'm just very excited to, to be out on the world and uh, doing things and sounding a lot smarter than I sound right now. Because I think right now I'm just maybe like, all over the place, you know, uh, but it, it, it's an awesome time to be alive because now we have a, a franchise helmed by Oscar Isaac and he is incredible and we will be here weekly and we actually didn't really thirst on him. Congrats. Guys. Oh my gosh. Had to hold that in. Yeah. We wait, the whole time. Let's so extend this whole thing by 45 minutes just so, just so we can thirst on him now. Yeah. I mean, we did say he was very cute and charming as his like George McFly sort of like bumbling um, nerdy dude and excited to see more of Mark next week. And hopefully, you know, some of our other recurring faces will will jump in on uh, some of that commentary. Um, You can find us here on Nom Talk um, on the socials as well. The same on Twitter and on Instagram. And um, my favorite soul cupcake flavor is gluten-free red velvet because it's red like red. Red velvet. Can't go wrong with that. (laughs) Thanks for joining in, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.